Hey, good morning, People's Church. So good to be with you. Excited for the message that the Lord has for us today as we're in this series on epidemic and uh, what the Word of God has to say about how we can overcome fear in our lives. Why don't you tell the person next to you right now, don't be afraid. Come on, you don't have to be afraid. It's all good. That is the most popular phrase in all of Scripture is fear not. Somebody say fear not. So pastor's been teaching us about what it means to overcome like fear of failure or fear of rejection or fear of death. And now today we're going to be looking at this topic of how to overcome the fear of the devil. And you're like, oh man, Halloween's getting close. Now here they are preaching on the devil. Here it is. But the reality is a lot of people live with a fear of the devil. I want to start off by sharing with you a true story. This is a true story that's actually happened in my life. But when I was in college, I was uh, playing football at Evangel University, and I had a guy on the football team. He was a linebacker. He came up to me and he said, man, have you ever read this book before? It was a book about Satan, about witchcraft, about demons, and, and people who are demon-possessed. He's like, you ever read this book before? I was like, no, why would I want to read a book like that? Have you ever noticed some people like being scared? Have you ever noticed that? They'll sign up for it. You know, they'll go to some haunted house. They'll go to some crazy roller coaster. We'll watch some scary movie. They're like, man, it scared me so bad. I'm like, bro, you signed up for that. No compassion whatsoever. I, personally, I just don't even, I avoid it, right? So he's like, have you read this? I'm like, no, I haven't read it. And he's like, man, this book right here, it will freak you out. So then he started challenging my manhood, right? So now all of a sudden he's like, man, I don't know if you want to read it. It's pretty scary. I said, I'll read it. He said, whatever you do, don't read it at night. I said, hand me the book. Because he's a linebacker. I'm a quarterback. I can't have a linebacker like telling me not to do something because I'm going to be afraid, right? I said, hand me the book. I'll read it at night. I'll read it at midnight. Now, what's up with that? You know, how you like that? And so I took the book. Well, some friends had asked me to stay at their house while they were going to be away. And they're like, hey, why don't you escape the dorm? Come and stay and watch our house uh, while we're away. And, uh, you know, just make yourself at home. I was like, man, free food, do laundry. That sounds great. I'm in. And so I stayed at their house while I was in their guest room upstairs. And uh, so that night, I'm upstairs in the guest room. I break open this book, and I start reading about all of this demonic activity. I start talking about all these people who are demon-possessed and all this crazy stuff happening. True story. I'm not making this up. And then I, I heard something downstairs. How many of you have ever noticed that when you're somewhere new or somewhere you're not even used to, that the air condition sounds like demonic activity? Have you ever had that happen before? I mean, the air condition, you're like, in Jesus' name, cool off. All right, that's all right. You can keep going. And, man, I, I heard that, and I was like, whoa. And I was like, oh, man, that's nothing. It's probably just the ice maker, you know, the air condition, whatever. So I went back to reading. A few minutes later, I heard another noise, and this time it was closer as if it was coming up the stairs. And so I'm like, well, I could keep reading, but I probably should get some sleep. So, you know, just in the name of wisdom, I'm going to go ahead and put this book down and get some shut eyes. So I closed the book, and, and I turned off the light and placed my head on the pillow, and I'm not making this up. I opened my eyes, and now something is hovering over my bed. Have you ever been so scared before you couldn't even scream? Have you ever had that happen before? I mean, I was just like, <laughs> knowing nobody could hear me, I just thought, so this is how it ends. I get eaten by a demon. Is this how this works? So I thought, man, I'm just going to turn on that light, doesn't it? 
in Jesus' name. And I turned it. It was my ceiling fan turning over the bed. That's all it was, was my ceiling fan. And so thankfully, you know, it wasn't a demon that was going to eat me, and it was just a ceiling fan, and that was, you know, relatively harmless. But see, when it comes to studying or looking at this, this, this character of Satan, uh, there are a couple of errors that we can make. Uh, one would be that we would underestimate the devil. How many of you understand that the devil loves it when you underestimate him? How many of you know he loves it when you think of the devil, you picture a little cartoon uh, fictional character in red tights with a pitchfork. How many guys know the devil loves it if that's what you think he's like? Uh, I think he loves it when, when, when you think of the devil, you think of, you ever seen those little cartoons before and you got the angel on one shoulder? Come on, you ever seen this before? You got the angel on one side, you've got the devil on the other, and you know, the picture, the video, the cartoon, whatever, it's like, it's like there's, a, there's a chocolate donut, and, little, and the angel's like, you know about your diet. You know about your New Year's resolution. You don't want to eat that donut. And then you got the devil on the other side going, you deserve that donut. Oh, look at the chocolate icing on that donut. You know, we've seen stuff like that. Eat the donut. "Ah," You know, eats it or whatever. We're like, oh, the devil loves it if we reduce him to some type of cartoon character like that. So one error is to underestimate the fact that the devil is real. See, if he can convince you that it's not that big of a deal, then when he starts attacking your marriage, instead of realizing that there's a devil attacking your marriage, you mess up and start thinking that you're fighting against your spouse. So now all of a sudden you think that your husband's the problem, or you think that your wife is the problem, and you're oblivious to the fact that the devil is the one who's attacking your home. Oh, he loves it when he can subtly, sneakily come in there and start assaulting you, and you don't even know that it's him. Well, there's another error that we can fall into, and that one is when we overestimate who he is and what he can do. And as a result of overestimating and realizing that the devil is attacking your marriage or, or recognizing that he is, uh, uh, it does have you bound in some type of habitual sin or some type of addiction. Now all of a sudden, because of his threats, because of all of his trash talk, because of all of his evil ways, people can slip into this place of living in this fear of the devil. So you don't want to underestimate him, nor do you want to overestimate him. So the Bible is clear. Satan and the demons do exist. They're real. They do have a measure of power. It's true. But you also have to understand that you don't need to let culture give you the picture and the definition of who the devil is, nor do you need to allow the devil to give you his own biography or his own story about who he is. You need to say, what does God's Word say. Come on, how many guys know that God's Word is good stuff? So we look to God's Word to see, what does it say? Specifically, how do we live in a way to where we don't fall into this trap of fear of the devil? Well, if we're going to do that, we need to know who he is and how he attacks. And that's why the Apostle Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, says this. He says, after all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. Why? Because we're not oblivious to his sly ways. 
That same verse in another translation says that we don't want to be unaware of the devil's schemes. So the key to living with victory over the fear of the devil is to understand who he is and and what he does according to Scripture so that we're not unaware. So let's look for just a few minutes what, what the Bible has to say about his sly ways or his satanic schemes. Let's look at this together. We'll move through these first uh, few points here pretty quickly. But number one is this. Satan wants to deceive you. Satan wants to deceive you. That's the first thought. You see this in John chapter 8 and verse 44. Satan is called a liar. He's not only called a liar, he's called the father of lies. Scripture says in John 8 that when he lies, he's speaking his native language. Satan is the deceiver. Paul said it this way to the Corinthians. He says, Satan masquerades like an angel of light. So he doesn't walk up and say, hey, I'm the devil. I'm here to destroy you. Instead, he slips in. He's sly. He schemes. He's deceptive. He's subtle in his attack. And you've got to be on guard against it. He will come in and lie. And he'll say, there is no such thing as God. But if that doesn't work, then he'll say, well, there may be a God, but you don't need God. And when you start figuring out, yes, I do, and so that doesn't work, you'll say, well, there may be a God, and and you may need a God, but God doesn't care about you. He'll do everything, anything possible to deceive you. Why? Because that's who he is. That's what he does. Satan is the deceiver. Let me give you a second thing. Number two, Satan wants to discourage you. God wants to deceive you, wants to discourage you. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 calls Satan the accuser. He's not only the liar, but he's also an accuser. He will accuse you. He will say things about you. He will say things to you. He will tell you that you're not good enough. He will lie to you and accuse you. And he will tell you that you're not spiritual enough. He will tell you that the storm that you're in right now is your forever forecast. And the storm that you're in is a storm that doesn't end. But all of those accusations, you have to consider the source because he's trying to rob you of your hope. He's trying to cause you to think that you're a failure as a mom or a dad or as a student in school or in sports, in relationships, in some pattern of sin that you keep falling into. He wants you to think that that defines you, that that failure is, is not just an event. But as Pastor was teaching us a few weeks ago, he, he said, failure is not, an, not uh, a person. Failure is an event. Well, see, Satan flips that. He wants to think that that failure is who you are. How many guys know the devil is a liar? He's wanting to discourage you. And third thing is this. Satan not only wants to deceive, he not only wants to discourage. But number three, Satan wants to cause you to doubt God's word. He wants you to doubt God's word. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, refers to the devil as the tempter, as he was tempting Jesus to doubt the word of God. God, uh, the, the devil will try and come in and lie to you and discourage you and cause you to doubt God's word. And he'll say, you can't wait for God to take care of you. You need to defend yourself. Get revenge. You can't trust God's promises. You can't follow that. You don't have to be faithful to your spouse anymore. This is 2017. It's a new day. That was written so long ago. What goes around comes around. They don't respect you. You don't respect them. He tries to get you to doubt God's word. 
You can't trust God to meet your needs. You've got to take care of yourself. He doesn't want you to be blessed by following God's word, so he tries to get you to doubt. He wants you to think because nothing is happening when you thought it would or how you thought it would, and things aren't going the way you felt like they were supposed to when you were studying Scripture. He wants you to doubt God's promises and think maybe it just works for other people. Maybe it just isn't for me. He'll try to deceive. He'll try to discourage. He'll try to cause you to doubt. And then there's this fourth and this final piece of this section, and it's this. Satan wants to, ultimately, he wants to destroy your life. John chapter 10 and verse 10, a scripture that's familiar to so many of us, but it says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to what? Destroy. Make no mistake about it, his goal is not to hurt you. His goal is not merely to harm you. Satan's goal is to destroy you. That's his mission, that's his aim. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. What's he doing? Look what it says. Looking for someone to devour. He's looking for a crack in your armor. He's trying to figure out a way how to rob you of your joy. He's trying to figure out a way to fill your life with anxiety, with fear. He's trying to look for a way to not only ruin your your marriage, but crush your hope, rob you of your dreams. The devil is on a mission not just to hurt you. He desires to devour you. He wants to destroy you. And as a result of all of his accusations, all of his threats, all of his lies, all of his schemes, there are many people today who as a result are living with a fear. They feel like they are helpless against the attack of the devil. That's why for the thrust of this message, I want to give you three reasons today why we don't have to fear the devil. Aren't you thankful that all that we've just talked about right there by way of what he intends to do, aren't you thankful that that may be his plan, but that God has another plan? Aren't you glad today that God says that might be what he's up to? Now let me tell you what I'm up to. Because this is the hope. This is where God shows us just how short the leash is on the devil. He gives us an understanding and he shows us a few things and the first one is this. Number one, with Jesus, you can resist the devil. Number one, with Jesus, you can resist the devil. And this is really important for us to hear and understand. We're not victims of his attacks. We're not hopeless against all of his schemes. We're not left on our own to try and figure out how we're going to stand against the devil and all that he would throw at us. You have to understand that with Jesus, you can resist the devil. I wonder how many of you remember back in the day a comedian by the name of Flip Wilson. Anybody remember Flip Wilson back in the day? The man was funny, had all kinds of skits and sketches and routines that he would do. He was hilarious. And one of his most famous lines that he was known for was, the devil made me do it. 
The devil made me do it. He was hilarious because he would act it out. And he would, he would kind of play this role of this lady who was getting in all kinds of problems, all kinds of situations. And her excuse and explanation every time was, the devil made me do it. He'd act it out, and he'd have the lady coming in, and, and the husband's like, where'd you get that new hat? That looks like an expensive new hat. You know that we don't have money for a hat. Why did you go out and buy that hat? She said, oh, I wasn't even planning to buy this hat. I was just walking down the street, and the devil came up on me. And he started talking to me. He said, girl, you look good in that hat. Why don't you go ahead and buy that hat? She said, devil, you better get out of here. I can't afford that hat. She said, but he kept on and on and on until I found that hat. I bought that hat, and I put it on. The devil made me do it. Then he'd go to another scene, acting it out, and he'd say, well, what about, well, what happened to our car? What happened? What, what, what happened? You were in a wreck. What would you do? Why weren't you paying attention? She said, oh, I was just driving down the road. Minding my own business. And the devil came in and took that steering wheel and drove straight into the tree. And the devil is the one who made me do it. Are you telling me the devil made you? Yeah, why do you think y'all found me in the back seat? The devil threw me in the back seat. (laughs) On and on and on and on. The devil made me do it. It's funny when you're listening to a comedian talk about it, but it's sad when a Christian feels like the reason they're stuck in what they're stuck in, the reason they're facing what they're facing is because the devil made them do it. Devil can't control you. I want you to tell your friend right now, the devil can't make you do anything. Go ahead, tell them that right now. The devil can't make you do anything. How many of you understand that just because he's knocking doesn't mean that you have to open the door? Have you understand that just because he's selling a lie doesn't mean that you got to believe the lie? Used to, back in the day, before we had caller ID. Now, my kids would mess with me right now. If they heard me talking about that, they'd be like, Dad, did you guys have cars when you were a kid? Like, they like messing with me like that, right? But some of you will remember back in the day where phones didn't have caller ID. And so what you would do, this is how it used to work, young people. This is how it used to go. So here's what would happen. Like the phone would ring, so you'd answer it. (laughs) Now, I know that's a long time ago. It would ring. You say, oh, the phone's ringing. And you just go over there, and you would just answer it. But now what happens today is when the phone rings... You screen it, right? That's like new verbiage. You don't answer it. You screen it. Hey, you ever been having lunch with somebody and you're talking, their phone starts ringing. Oh, hold on just a minute. Oh, they, oh, oh, go ahead. You ever seen anybody do that before? Screen it. You've done it before. I've done it before. And in that moment, what you decided was whoever was calling, you're saying, I'm not answering. I wonder why it is that for so many of us that anytime the devil calls, we feel obligated to take his call. How many guys know that when he sends you a text message from 666666666, 
And he's trying to send you some message of discouragement, some message of deception. And he's telling you that you're stuck in your addiction. He's telling you that you have to live with your fear. How many of you know God says, delete it, and all you have to say is, I don't receive that. I resist that in Jesus' name. Come on, don't you know you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. You don't have to fear the devil because you don't have to receive his demonic messages. Number two, this is the second point, and it's this. How do we overcome the fear of the devil? Number two, with Jesus, you are protected from the devil. With Jesus, you are protected from the devil. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, no one who has become part of God's family makes a practice of sinning for Christ. God's son holds him securely, and the devil cannot get his hands on him. I don't know if you're holding a copy of God's Word, but you could sure flat out underline that part right there. When you are a child of God, when you are walking in obedience and avoiding the path of sin, as someone who belongs to the family of God, the child of God, it says the devil cannot get his hands on you. Listen, way before MC Hammer. Yeah. The devil can't touch you. Why? Because you're a child of God. Now, you have to hear this because he says no one who has become part of God's family makes a practice of sinning. See, part of the problem is is that we step out from under the protection of God, and we're not following the path of God, and we're out vulnerable to the enemy's attacks, and the enemy's assaulting our hope. He's assaulting our confidence. He's assaulting our peace. He's assaulting our families, and we're out there. We're so vulnerable, and we're like, why is God failing me? Since no one who's a child of God is going to keep on following the path of sin. When you do that, listen to this. When, when you step into sin, you've invited the devil in. When you step into disobedience and you go against the word of God, you have allowed the enemy to have like full-on assault on your life. But the opposite of that is true as well. When you say, I'm not going to follow the enemy's lies. I'm not going to listen to his deception. I'm not going to follow the world's pattern. I'm going to follow God. Here's what it says. When you're walking with God, as a child of God, as a part of the family of God, that the devil cannot get his hands on on you that's something that should encourage you because God's with you I don't know if you ever had that before maybe you had an older brother or older sister when you were going to school and if they were walking with you you just walked a little taller you felt a little safer man I've got my little buddy my three-year-old Jordan my son when He's the best sleeper in the house. Man, I'm so thankful after five girls that we got a boy who'll just sleep. He's got the gift of sleep, and I'm thankful for it. But every now and then, he'll wake up middle of the night with a nightmare or something. One night, he woke up, and he started screaming. And so I went in there, and I'm like, what's wrong, buddy? I got you. It's okay. And, and I was trying to figure out what it was. You know, what's wrong? So I'm looking around the room because, come on, let's just be honest. I know that you're grown. I know that you're tough, but... Those shadows hit the wall or some of those stuffed animals. Come on, if that nightlight hits the stuffed animals, Winnie the Pooh's eyes start glowing red, you'd be scared too, all right? So 
I'm kind of looking around the room like, what is it? Why, why is he afraid? And I said, what's wrong? He's like, oh, it's over there. And I'm looking over there. And I don't see anything. And I'm like, what is it? Oh, he's burying his head. And, and I said, what? What is it, man? He said, the rocking chair, the rocking chair. And I'm like, the rocking chair? And I'm just thinking, why? Did he have some dream or something that the rocking chair, you know, comes alive and goes over and, you know, eats him? I'm just trying to figure out why is he worried about the rocking chair? And in that moment, I didn't even have to appeal to logic. Well, son, let me explain something to you. Rocking chairs, they're, they're, they're uh, for the most part, harmless, all right? You don't ever have to be worried about, now, Wendy, the poo up there, hey, I'm with you, man. He's crazy. Keep your eye on the I, I, I didn't have to, like, logically walk him through why he would be safe with the rocking chair. Instead, you know what I did? I picked him up, and I held him, and he went from, ah, ah, put his head down. He's out. I'm just sitting there holding him. And I realized nothing changed. That mean, scary, nasty, evil rocking chair was still right there. The only difference was, he said, that rocking chair may still be there, but my dad's in here with me. And so he's figuring I can whip any rocking chair that would ever come our way, and he's safe with me. You just need to know. I'm not saying that the devil doesn't have power. I'm not saying that the devil uh, d- doesn't have the ability to try and attack. I'm just saying what you have to understand is that when you are walking with the Lord, when God is with you, and his word says that when you are with him, he is with you. How many of you understand that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let me give you this third and this final point, and it's this. With Jesus, you have victory over the devil. With Jesus, you have victory over the devil. He's on that short leash, but how many guys know he still barks? He still tries to boast a big game. He likes to pretend like he's tough. Kind of reminds me of... This big, ferocious dog that we have, our pet dog, Charlie. Let me show you a picture of this beast. Here's Charlie. There he is. Got that killer instinct. He's a little bitty thing. You can't even tell with the scale of that right there. Just, he's a small little guy. What's really cute is my daughter Candace got him a little shirt that he wears. And she slips on this shirt. Uh, when I was growing up, you just had a dog. You didn't have clothes for dogs, but we got a whole wardrobe. So they put on, the, and on the back of one shirt, it says, security. <laughs> and that's my favorite one when they dress up Charlie in the security shirt because that dog is all about security. It's just hilarious. He'll go running through the house. He'll jump up. He'll look out the window like, just a car going by, but he can't be too safe. And then he'll go back to his business like, hey, everybody's cool. It's got it. I kept an eye on it. Everybody's all right. Something else. You know, a bird, squirrel, goes up. He's just ready. You come one, you just, you try. You try to come up in this house. It's hilarious. And if you ever come and knock on our door, the mailman Livery guy, whoever it is, 
Charlie starts going ballistic right there beside the door like, come in, come in. I want you to come in here. Try to come up here. Just barking, 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 barking. I mean, it's like really we have to like put him away before we let people come in. But here's what's hilarious about it. Like if the mailman would go, whoo, like that, that's all it would take. Whoo. Like that. He'd take off running. It's the most hilarious thing you've ever seen in your life. If they could just see what's on the other side of the door, they'll realize what they're hearing isn't anything like what they'd see if they could see him for who he really is. Sounds ferocious. Someone on the other side of the door is about to rip my head off. Ah, it's just Charlie. You're all right. What if we started seeing the devil for who he is and already defeated, already conquered, already tied up foe that he really is? Because for the child of God, you need to know that he can't touch you because God's already given you victory over the devil. I want you to hear this verse because sometimes we think in terms of it's a struggle between God and the devil. How many of you understand that God and the devil are not rivals? Right? It's not like, well, God got the first round, but then the devil came back, and then, oh, it was tough. And sometimes we think about, but in the garden, they came and they arrested him. The devil was winning. When they beat him and they flogged him, the devil was winning. And when they nailed him to the cross, the devil was winning. We know the whole story. Jesus rose from the dead, and he, and he won. But we see this picture as if Jesus is trying to climb up on the ropes before it's too late. I think I am going, come on, Jesus, you got to do it. Listen, the struggle is not between God and the devil. Jesus came and experienced all of those things for one reason. He gave his life. No one took it from him. He died because he wants us to live. He took our place because we could not conquer death, hell, and the grave. But Jesus came and did it. He put on humanity and flesh. He did that for us. Listen to how Colossians 2.15 sums it up. Jesus defeated the rulers and powers as Satan and the demons of the spiritual world. With the cross, he won the victory over them, and he led them away. Picture this. As defeated and powerless prisoners for the whole world to see. He made a spectacle of them. Here's what you have to picture. See, this was written. They were drawing on imagery of the day, which was this. When a conquering army would go in, and they would conquer their enemy. See, there's a battle, there's a war, there's a fight. When they would go and they would win, what they would do is they would take the enemy army captive and they would have them bound and they would parade them back home to show everyone back home the celebration, the story, if you will. Remember how they were bad-mouthing. Remember how they were attacking. Remember how they were accusing. Remember how they were going to try. They were talking so much. We want to show you what happened. We went, we conquered, we brought them back, and the enemy army would come back shamed, embarrassed, defeated, 
powerless and bound. That's what the enemy army would look like. And the conquering army would want the whole world to know. And what Jesus is saying is that he went and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. They're all tied up. They're all bound up. They're all powerless. They have no control over you. Why? Because we have victory in Jesus. Come on, put your hands together and just thank him today that you have victory in Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Somebody say that name, Jesus. The best way to overcome Satan's lies is with God's truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Say that name. Say, Jesus. When you speak his name, do you realize that you make darkness tremble? When you say his name, do you realize that you're reminding the devil of his parade march powers with his hand? Do you re realize that you're reminding him that Jesus is the name that's above every name? Do you realize that you are declaring there is no other name than the name? Say it with me. Jesus. As a child of God, you have Jesus with you. You have Jesus in you. If you are without Jesus, listen, you ought to be scared out of your mind. I don't blame you. But for a child of God, you can know that no matter what the devil overthrows your way, there's nothing that he can do because of Jesus.